Before I begin this shir, I'd like to announce the publication of a new sefer, Derech HaMelech, which investigates Rashi's approach to halacha and Tami HaMitzvahs. It is available in stores or directly from the distributor, Im HaSefer, that's I-M and then HaSefer, H-A-S-E-F-E-R. They can be reached at 718-377-0047. Welcome. On these podcasts, I often discuss Rashi comments which, on their surface, seem rather simple and innocent, and I try to analyze them and show how much really lies within them. In this week's shear on Parshas Mishpatim, I'd like to look at a Rashi that is very, very rich, even on the simplest surface level, and only becomes uh, richer as we delve into it. Let's begin with a Pasuk near the beginning of the Parsha, where the Torah very briefly uh, tells us the halachas about someone who murders on purpose, called Mezid, and what happens to someone who murders uh, accidentally. So Pasuk Chafalef, Perek Chafalef, Pasuk Yud Gimel. Make ish vames, someone who strikes a person and dies, meaning, and the person who is hit dies, mos yumos, so that person who did the hitting shall be put to death. We should note what, what, what hopefully is obvious to everyone listening, mos yumos does not mean that the person who murders immediately drops dead. No, that's not what the Torah is saying. Mos yumos means he shall be put to death by a base din. And of course, in the halachas of putting someone to death in based in, there are many, uh, many ways of uh, avoiding it. There have to be witnesses, there has to be warning, etc., etc. But the Pasuk is saying the, the main point is that if someone murders, someone strikes another person and kills that person, so the, 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 the attacker is Chayev Misa. That person must be put to death in based in. <clears throat> The next pasuk, va'asher loit sada. However, a person who did not lie in ambush, a person who did not intend to kill the other person, but the elokim yado, but God made it available to him. All of this will be explained by Rashi. But Hashem uh, orchestrated the circumstances such that Reuven ended up killing Shimon, even though Reuven did not lie in ambush for Shimon and Ruvain didn't have a plan for killing Shimon, even a very quick, quickly uh, concocted plan. He didn't have any plan at all. So in other words, if Ruvain kills Shimon um, accidentally, so what, what, what then do you do? V'samti l'chol I will make for you a place, asher yanus shama, that to which to where the murderer can run away. This is the <clears throat> halacha known as Are Miklat, that sprinkled about Eretz Yisrael were uh, a fairly large number of cities. Um, and each of these cities were called Are Miklat. These, this is where the Levium lived. And if, if Ruvain uh, killed somebody 
Bishogeg, he killed somebody accidentally. Let's say he was um, he was uh, working on his roof, and he by mistake he pushed a brick uh, down off the roof, and it and it, it fell down and broke Shimon's skull and killed him. So now uh, Ruvain could run away to one of these Ari Mikla, to one of these cities of refuge, where he would be safe from the rage of the of of the relatives of Shimon, and. He would have to stay there. He would have to stay there until Admais HaKoyen HaGadol, until the present serving Koyen Gadol would die. That's what the Torah says in other places. Here, the Chumash uh, introduces the topic very, very briefly. But it does give us this essential distinction between someone who kills purposefully and someone who kills accidentally. Let's see the Rashi. Quite a bit of Rashi here. Vasher lo sada, the one who did not sada. So Rashi translates sada as loy aravloi. He did not lay an ambush for him. Veloynis kavain, and he did not intend to kill the other person. So someone who did not intend to kill, but what happened? Elokim inoliado, but God something blank to his hand. So now Rashi is going to explain what that word ino means. Zimein liyadoi. God made it available to his hand. God created the situation by which Reuven would kill Shimon, even though Shimon, even though Reuven doesn't want to do it. Lashen le'sauna elecha ro'o. Rashi connects this word ino to a Pasuk in Tilim, which says that if a person is a tzaddik, le'sauna elecha ro'o. No evil will become available to you, meaning no, no uh, misfortune will occur to you. Another Pesach in Mishle, lo yeune le tzaddik kol oven. No uh, evil, no, no misfortune will befall the tzaddik. And another Pesach in Malachim, we won't go into that now, and Rashi concludes, Mizdamein, okay, we'll stop there. Rashi is translating Lo ino Elokim ino liyado, that HaKadosh Baruch Hu, um, made this situation available to Ruvain. HaKadosh Baruch Hu created this situation by which Ruvain kills Shimon, even though Ruvain does not intend to do so. And now Rashi continues, Elokim ino liyado, same words, but Rashi asks, V'loma why should such a thing come out from, from, from before him? Capital H, him. Why should such a thing come out from before HaKadosh Baruch Hu? Why would HaKadosh Baruch Hu do that? Why would HaKadosh Baruch Hu arrange things so that Ruvain, who has no, no animosity towards Shimon and no intent to harm him at all, would end up killing him accidentally? Why would Hashem do that? It's one thing if, if Ruvain was uh, working on his roof and he wasn't... Uh, he wasn't applying enough caution to what he's doing, and he was careless, and a brick fell down and hit Shimon on the head. I mean, okay, that's Ruvain's fault. Yes, he's not didn't intend it. He's not high of Misa for that. But we can place that at Ruvain's feet. We we can understand Ruvain did it. That's part of Ruvain's bechira. That's part of his ability to to choose what to do and how to do it, and and to suffer the consequences. But here, Rashi explained that, that HaKadosh Baruch Hu arranged this situation, that Ruven should kill Shimon. 
So why should this come out from before HaKadosh Baruch I'll pause here to mention that we have here a, a classic example, a strong example of Rashi asking an explicit question, which he does not usually do. Uh, we're not going to go into that now. Those who would like to understand why Rashi here asks this explicit question and what was his quote-unquote real question, which is always not explicit, which is always implicit, uh, those who like can look at the Sefer Mare Rachel, which is available on, um, on the website alhatorah.org. We're going to leave that, we're going to let this part of the Rashi, we're going to just read very innocently. Okay, Rashi asks a question. Why would a Kodesh Baruch Hu make this happen? So Rashi answers, Hu Shomar David. This is what David HaMelech says in a Pasuk in Sefer Shmuel. Kasher Yomar Meshal HaKadmoni, as the Meshal HaKadmoni, as the Moshal of the Kadmoni, of the first one, says, Mereshoyim Yetzei Resha, from evil people will come out Resha, will come out evil things. So we have to understand two things about this Pasuk that was said by David HaMelech. First of all, what is the Mishal HaKadmoni? What is that? The early Mushal, the first Mushal. What is that referring to? And secondly, what exactly does it mean? Meirishoim Yetzei Resha. What is the Mushal? Well, what is the Mushal saying? So Rashi explains. O Mishal HaKadmoni, this primal Mushal, He HaTorah. That is a way of describing the Torah. Shehi Mishal HaKadosh Baruch The Torah is the Mushal of HaKadosh Baruch it is the parable of HaKadosh Baruch Shehu Kadmeinei Shel Olam, who is the primal force. He is the first being of the world. Obviously, HaKadosh Baruch existed before he decided to create the world. So he is before everything else in the universe. So the Torah is called the Mushal of HaKadosh Baruch who is the first. We will, Amir Sashem, Try to understand that a little bit later. But when David Melech says, Kasher Yamar Meshala Kadmaini, that's another way of saying, as it says in the Torah. We would say, Kakatuv Batorah, Kakosu Secha. David Melech said, Kasher Yamar Meshala Kadmaini. Basically the same meaning. Now, okay, we know what this Mushal Meshal HaKadmaini is. Where did the Torah ever say, Mi Rishoim Yetzei Resha? There's no such Pasuk. So Rashi explains, Where does the Torah say that from bad people comes, comes out, come out bad things? Where? Right here. God prepared, God brought about to, to the hands of this person, Ruvain, that he should kill Shimon. What's that got to do with that? So Rashi says, What is this Pasuk talking about? It's talking about There were two people. One of them, once upon a time, killed somebody. He killed somebody accidentally, unintentionally. And there was another person who once upon a time killed somebody on purpose. However, neither of them received the punishment that they deserved. But there were no witnesses in the matter who could testify. 
There were no witnesses that, that Reuven killed B'Shoigig. There were no witnesses that, that Shimon killed B'Mezid. So Zeloi Nehrag, this person was not killed. The one who should have been killed by Bastin, because he killed intentionally, was not killed because there were no witnesses. V'zeloi Golo. And the other one who should have gone to Golos, he should have gone to the Ir Miklat and had to stay there for, for a long time, perhaps. But he did not go to Golos because... There also, it, it, it has to be, there has to be testimony in Beistin that he killed in this unintentional way, and then he is obligated to go to Golis. He's obligated to go to the Ir Michlot. But in this particular case, there were no witnesses, so he didn't go. So two people, uh, quote-unquote, got away with their crimes. So HaKadosh Baruch Hu arranges for them he invites them to one punduk, to one inn. He invites them to the same place. Meaning HaKadosh Baruch Hu, uh, manipulates the circumstances as, as only HaKadosh Baruch Hu can, and he brings it about that Reuven and Shimon should be in the same place at the same time. And this person who had once upon a time killed on purpose, he happens to be sitting under a ladder. That's where he decides to sit and have his cup of coffee. And this person who once upon a time killed unintentionally, he climbs up the, ma- climbs up the ladder. He's uh, fixing the roof. And he falls on this person who had killed once upon a time on purpose. Ruvain trips on the ladder and falls down onto Shimon's head. And he kills him. The Adim Me'idin Alov. And there are witnesses who testify to this. This time there happen to be witnesses observing what's happening. And they obligate Ruvain to go to Golos, to go to the Ermiklat, because he has killed Beshoigeg. Nimsa, it comes out. This person who killed unintentionally, he ends up going to Golos. He should have gone already years ago, but he's going now. Now he's going to serve his time in Golos, in the Ir Miklot. And this person who had killed on purpose, he had killed intentionally, he is killed. He, he's dead. He has received the equivalent of the Mises Basin that he deserved. We'll just see one more Rashi. The, the next Rashi is not really our focus, but just to, uh, to get the complete thought. The Samti Lechomakoim. The, 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 the Pasuk says, HaKadosh Baruch Hu says that um, if, if somebody kills uh, unintentionally, I will make for you a place, Afba Midbar, I will make for you a place even in the Midbar, meaning even now that uh, this Pasuk was given at Hasinai, according to, according to our Chazal. Parshas, I mean, the whole Torah was given, in a sense, at Hasinai. But certainly this, this Parshas Bamidbar, this Parshas Mishpatim, was uh, transmitted to Meshe Rabbeinu at Har Sinai, perhaps even transmitted to Klai Yisrael at Har Sinai. Okay, that's a different story, but certainly it was given to the Klai Yisrael in the Midbar. So the 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 the, the, the pasuk is is emphasizing, I will make for you a place Afba Midbar, even in the Midbar Shianus Shoma. I will make a place even in the Midbar where this Reitzeach B'Shegeg, where this unintentional murder can escape to. We know from other psukim that um, in Eretz Yisrael, when they would eventually get there, they would be commanded 
to set aside Ari Miklat. But here the Pasuk is saying, even in the Midbar, there was a place where a Rotsech B'Shegeg could escape to. The Eze Mokum Koltoi, Rashi says, in which place will catch, which place will take in the Rotsech B'Shegeg and protect him? This is the Machana Leviyah, the part of the encampment where the Leviyim stayed. So in the Midbar, that served as, a, as an Ir Miklot. Just as the, uh, the Halacha eventually would be that the, that the Ari Halavim, the cities of the Leviyim in Eretz Yisrael, served as Ari Miklot. So in the Midbar, the Machana Leviyah served as a kind of Ir Miklot. Before we go into some of the uh, particulars of the situation that Rashi describes with the two people who killed and uh, there were no witnesses, I'd first like to uh, focus a bit on the source that Rashi uses for his explanation. His source, his ultimate source, I mean, the, the, the closer source is, uh, I believe it's in the Mechilta, it's a Gemara in in Makas, Daf Yudom at base, but the, the ultimate source of these matters is this Pasuk in Shmuel, and these words that were said by Dovid Amelech, that uh, he quotes, Dovid Amelech quotes Mishal HaKadmoni, he quotes this primal mushal, and Rashi says, what does that mean, the Mishal HaKadmoni? Mishal HaKadmoni hi Torah. Rashi says, the Mishal HaKadmoni refers to the Torah, it is the mushal of a Kodesh Baruchu, who is the first of the universe. This is a very fascinating way of referring to what we call the Torah. What is the point? So I think perhaps this can be related to something which is discussed in the, in the Tanya and many other Svarim. It is very hard, essentially not possible, for a human being to, to develop in, in, in his or her mind any, any hasaga. I mean, beside that, certainly no, one cannot uh, have a physical picture of a Kodesh Baruch Hu in one's mind. That would automatically be inaccurate because a Kodesh Baruch Hu is not physical. But even to develop some sort of a a concept of, of what is HaKadosh Baruch Hu. It's very difficult. I mean, HaKadosh Baruch Hu is, is, is so different from us. I mean, we are creatures. He is the creator. It, it, it's something that's really beyond our, the abilities of our minds. I mean, so how are we supposed to connect to HaKadosh Baruch Hu? I mean, we, we're supposed to become close to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, serve HaKadosh Baruch Hu, but, but, but how? So what Chazal teach us based on this Pasuk in, in Shmuel, is that the Torah is a mushal for HaKadosh Baruch Hu. As the, the Balatani explains, the Torah contains 613 mitzvahs, and HaKadosh Baruch Hu, has 613 evarim. They are called the Taryag Evrei Demalka. I believe that's, uh, he's quoting there from the Zayhar, or from other uh, Kabbalistic sources. Now, obviously, these are not physical limbs, physical organs, but there is somehow 613 aspects or, or characteristics or something along those lines. I, I, I'm always nervous when I talk about things that I don't understand. Uh, 
and I'm afraid, I don't want to say the wrong thing, but there are somehow 613 characteristics of a Kodesh Baruch Hu. And each mitzvah, each of the 613 mitzvahs, corresponds to one of those every demalka. And so when you do, when you learn about and when you perform a mitzvah, such as, let's say, Shmira Shabbos, so you are connecting and you are gaining some understanding and some closeness to that Ever Demalka, to that limb of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, which corresponds to Shabbos. And then you, you learn about and you perform a different mitzvah, so you're connecting and you're developing some sense of that other characteristic of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And ultimately... A person performs all of the mitzvahs, or as many as, as the person possibly can perform, and so the person ultimately develops some sort of quote-unquote picture, some sort of understanding of what is HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Of course, it's all derech mashal. When we say it's the mashal HaKadosh Baruch Hu, it doesn't mean it's a mashal that Hashem made up. No. It's not like saying if uh, Aesop wrote uh, fables, so we say it's Aesop's fables. They're not fables about Aesop, they're fables that this fellow named Aesop made up. No, this is the Mishalak of the Shvorachu. These are the, this is the muscle which reveals who's behind the muscle. It reveals, the muscle reveals HaKadosh Baruch Hu. The muscle gives us some way of connecting and understanding in some sort of a way what HaKadosh Baruch Hu is. That's the Mishal HaKadmoini, that's the Torah. Why specifically does David HaMelech say Mishal HaKadmoini? He could have said Mishal HaElokim, Mishal Hashem. Why does he use this kinui, this nickname for HaKadosh Baruch Hu, HaKadmoini, the first one? Perhaps, and this is my own personal thought, it could be 100% wrong, but perhaps because what is it about HaKadosh Baruch Hu? That, that, that makes it so difficult for us to, to have any grasp of what a Kaddish Baruch Hu is and how a Kaddish Baruch Hu is, that's because he's Kadmoini, because he is the first cause. Everything else that we deal with in our lives, they're all creations. They're all things that have been created and perhaps then recreated. In other words, they've been refashioned into something else. You have a, a bookcase. Well, the bookcase is made of wood. The wood comes from a tree, and that tree came from another tree, which came from another tree. Which Everything is recycled. Every, no, nothing is the first. Nothing that we ever see in an entire life is the beginning of something. It's always it's the child of a child of a child of a child. And even if it's a, a rock that's been sitting there since creation, but the rock was created by a Kodesh Baruch Hu. The Kadmonius, the, the, the primal nature of a Kodesh Baruch Hu, the fact that a Kodesh Baruch Hu is the beginning of it all, that's, that's the Nakuda that, we, we, that, that makes it impossible for us to grasp what a Kodesh Baruch Hu is and what a Kodesh Baruch Hu is like. That's why we need the Mashal. The Mashal of the Torah, the Torah is a Mashal to help us understand Hashem who is Kadmoni. And now let us address some questions which are a little bit more on my, my level. I'd like to raise three questions on this Rashi. First of all, 
Rashi says that uh, there, were, there were two people. One person killed Bishoigek. Uh, one person had once upon a time killed somebody unintentionally. And there was another person who had killed Bemezid. He had killed intentionally. But there were no Adim, there were no witnesses to either of these acts. And therefore, Zeloinerag, this person was not killed. The one who deserves to have been killed was not put to death by Bastin because there were no witnesses. And this person who had killed Vishaygeg did not go to Golas. Now, we can ask here, the person who killed Bemezid, the person who killed intentionally, and he was Rug, he was not killed, that's, that's a problem. That, 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 that's like an injustice. Person killed. He got away with murder, literally. He, didn't, he wasn't killed for, for his crime. He wasn't punished in any way. Okay, we understand that. But then Rashi says, But this other person did not go to Golas. Now, why is that a problem? Uh, if we look at Psukim in the Torah, it would appear that the, the primary purpose of going to the Ir Miklot is to escape from what's called the Goyal Hadam. If Ruvain killed Shimon unintentionally, the problem is that, that Shimon's relatives are going to be incensed and they're going to run after Ruvain and try to kill him. So the Torah provided an Ir Miklot. The Torah said, uh, Ruvain can go to one of these cities and there he will be protected and he, as long as he just stays there until the, until the Kayan Godel dies he will be protected. What happens when the Kayan Godel died? We once spoke about that once upon a time. How that changes the situation. But that's not for now. But it would seem from many Psukim in the Torah that that's the purpose of going to an Ir Miklot. Well, let's say a person, uh, Ruvain killed somebody. Ruvain killed Shimon. But nobody knew about it. There were no witnesses. Well, if nobody knew about it, then the Goyal Adam's not going to run after him. And, 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 and even if it was known that he killed him, but if there were not actually witnesses, if there were not kosher witnesses who were willing to come to Beis Din and testify, then Shimon's relatives have no right to kill Ruvain. So it would seem that there's really no purpose in Ruvain going to Golis. So what's the problem that Rashi is, is, is mentioning here? Of course, everything Rashi says here he took from the Gemara, from the Michilta, but what, what is the problem that is being expressed here? Zeloi Gola. So he didn't go into Golas. So what? There was no reason to go into Golas. That's question number one. Question number two is okay, uh, for some reason that's a problem that this person didn't go into Golas. It's certainly a problem that the other person was not put to death. So Kaddish Baruch brings these two people together, and the Ritzeach B'Shegeg uh, climb is going up, he's standing on the ladder, he falls down on the other person, who had once upon a time killed Bemezid, and he falls on him, and he kills him. And so, justice has been done. The person who murdered Bemezid is now dead. The problem that is raised by Meforshim is that if somebody kills Bemezid, what punishment is he given by Beis Din, assuming that there are witnesses and all of the conditions for Mises Beis Din have been met? He is killed by Saif. He is killed by the sword. But how is he being killed here? 
Here he's being killed by somebody falling on top of him. That's more like skila, because skila, uh, skila means, first of all, they, 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 take, they put the person on a platform and they throw him down. And then if that doesn't kill him, they throw down a big rock and that crushes him. So what's happened to this person is he has been killed by skila. But that's not what he deserved. And the fact, the truth is that the, 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 the halacha is that skila is considered to be the most severe form of Misa. Uh, Sayif is a level below. So why, we, why is this person getting killed by a form of death even worse than that which he deserved? This is a question that is raised by Mephoshim. We'll call that question B. And, uh, okay, let's go to question C. The person in this little story who killed somebody, but he got away with it because there were no witnesses. Later, he had a misfortune. He was on a ladder, and he fell on some fellow and killed him. And now there were witnesses. So now he gets sent to Gullus. So the way Rashi presents it, well, so now the problem has been solved. Justice has been served. But the Mephoshim, some Mephoshim raised the question, well, maybe justice has not been served because how many people did this person kill? He killed two people. How many times is he going to Golis? Only once. So where is the justice? I'd like to begin the answers with an attempt, some attempts at answering question B, question number two, that the person who killed the Mazid should have uh, should have been killed by the form of Misa called Sayef. He should have been killed by the sword. That's how Bastin should have killed him if they had had testimony. But instead, in the end, what he gets is really something like Skila, because he was somebody fell upon him and crushed him. And uh, that that's an even worse form of death. And 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 so it's it doesn't seem right. He, he's gotten a form of Misa worse than what he deserved. One answer is given by Chiskuni, the commentator known as Chiskuni, who says, and he's quoting other earlier commentators, several commentaries give this answer. They say that the fellow who was on the ladder, the Ritzeach B'Sheikik, who was on the ladder and who fell down and killed the Ritzeach B'Mezid, he happened to have been holding a knife. And so when he fell down on Shimon, the knife killed him. So, it comes out that Shimon, the Ritzeach B'mezid, really was killed by the sword, by something equivalent to the sword. Okay, I mean, it, it, it's what we call in the Gemara an akimta. You're taking a sort of a bland statement and you're saying it's only talking about in a particular case. Okay, the, the, such, such answers are acceptable, but they, they always uh, stretch your imagination a little bit. Maskil the David gives a, a very interesting answer. It's a little complex, but it introduces certain fundamental points that, that we really need to discuss other matters related to this Rashi. Maskil the David says as follows. If somebody committed a crime for which he is Chayev Misa, for which he is subject to the death penalty to be administered by base Din, and for whatever reason, whatever the, however the circumstances evolved, 
he was killed, but not by the type of Misa that the law requires. Let's say a person murdered, so a murderer is supposed to be killed by Saif, uh, but uh, before he uh, got to the executioner to kill him by Saif, he, um, he, he drowned in a river. If that happened, says the Moscow the David, this person does not get full atonement for his sin. In other words, the Mask of the David is, is telling us, he's reminding us, I mean, this is an idea that, that, that is, uh, has many, many sources, but he is reminding us here that Mises based in is not only a punishment, and it's not only a way of removing an evil person from society, but it is an atonement for that person. The person who did, for example, somebody who killed Bemezid, he needs atonement. He did a, he did a terrible sin. And his atonement is that he's going to suffer the punishment that Bastin is going to oppose, impose upon him according to the laws of the Torah. If he ends up dying some other way, he's not, Maskell the Dove says he does not get atonement. I, I think perhaps he means he doesn't get full atonement. If he doesn't die in the, in the painful way that, that Bastin is supposed to kill him, then uh, something's missing from his atonement. That's principle number one. Principle number two is that in general, when a person is put to death by Beisdin, that's always worse than somebody who dies by some sudden accident. Why is that? For the very simple psychological reason that when someone is, is declared guilty by Beisdin and is declared deserving of the death sentence, at least for some amount of time, although Bastin doesn't keep him sitting on death row for months and months and months. That's not permitted, according to, 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 the, to the Torah. But at least for some amount of time, the person knows that he knows where he's going. He knows that in, even if it's a matter of minutes, but he knows he's on his way to being killed. That, that's very frightening and very, very painful. However, if a person is walking along, enjoying a nice, uh, a nice day in the merry month of May, and he uh, trips and falls into a river and drowns, he's spared that agony of waiting for his death. He just suddenly dies. Based on these two principles, Maskel the David says that this person who was Ritzayach Memezid, he once upon a time killed somebody intentionally. However, there were no witnesses, so Bastin didn't kill him. If this person would be killed by a sudden accident of the sword, if he would somehow, uh, I don't know, he'd be walking along and he would stumble onto a, uh, a, a, a saw, a, ch a chainsaw that is cutting wood, and he would be chopped up like, like the sword, Leolainu, he, if he would be killed in a Misa that is Ka'in Saif, that is like death by the sword, he would not get full atonement. Because what he really deserved is to sit for a while in Bastin and say, oh my, they're going to take me out and cut me up. And he was spared that agony. Yes, he was cut up, but he didn't have that agony of waiting. He was just walking along, enjoying the fresh air, when suddenly, somehow, some, in some way or another, a sword hit him and killed him. So that would not be a full atonement. 
How does a Kaddish Baruch Hu do this person the favor of providing him with a full atonement? A Kaddish Baruch Hu arranges that this person should be killed by a sudden accident, but by a sudden accident of a more severe form of Misa, a sudden accident that is similar to the Misa of Skila. Kaddish Baruch Hu brings it about that some other person is climbing a ladder and will fall onto the head of this person who was Reitzeach B'mezid. So the, the difference between agonizing over the prospect of dying by the sword, which is a hundred points of, of terror, as opposed to being suddenly killed by the sword, that's only 80, 80 points of terror. The difference is made up by the fact that the sudden accident that befalls this person is worse than the sword. It's skila, which Chazal tell us is more painful and more severe than the sword. So that's how we, that's how there actually is justice, uh, how, how justice is, 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 uh, is achieved in this situation. Although this seems like a complex kind of answer, uh, the reason that I'm, part of the reason I'm mentioning it is because it introduces to us this point that Misa's Bastin is not merely a punishment, but it's also a Kapora. And this is going to help us answer question A, because we have to realize that Are uh, Miklot, that the cities of refuge also, they are a Kapora. Going to the Ir HaMiklat atones. It's a punishment, which, but not only a punishment, it atones for the person who has been careless and killed somebody unintentionally. So now we go to our question, question A. Question B is, why does Rashi present it as a problem that the person who killed Vishayig, but there were no witnesses, why is it a problem that Zeloi Golo, that this person didn't go into Golis. Well, let him not go to Golis. There's nobody running after him to kill him. So it's okay, he didn't go to the Eremiklet. It shouldn't be a problem. But the answer is, no, it is a problem. Because the purpose of the Eremiklet is not only to protect the Rotseach from the Goyal Adam. It's not only to protect the murderer from the wrath of the, of the, uh, of the victim's relatives. It is also to serve as a kapara. Having to live in a near miklot is, uh, in a, uh, is uh, an unpleasant experience. We'll talk more about why in a moment, but it's, it's self-understood that it's not, uh, it's not a pleasant experience. And therefore, it's a kapora. It's an atonement for the person who, who has to do so. And we can now go to question C. Question C is that the Ritzeach B'Shoigeg really killed unintentionally Two times. The first time there were no witnesses, so there was no consequence. The second time that a Kodesh Boracho arranged it to happen, there were witnesses, and so he suffered the consequences. He, he has to go to the Ir Miklat. But he's only going once. He's getting away two crimes and only one punishment. This is a question that is raised by the, by the commentators. Chizkuni, once again, uh, answer, uh, offers a, a simple answer. He says that the second time that this person killed, he was killing what's called a Gavra Katila. He was killing a man who was already killed. Who did he kill the second time? He killed a person who really already was high of Misa, 
for having killed in the past. He's like a dead man. He's just, he's the walking dead. I know uh, zombie stories and movies are very popular nowadays. Well, this person who had killed Bemazid is the walking dead. I mean, it's just, he's just waiting to be killed in one way or the other because he's really, he needs to be killed. Justice demands that he be killed. So when the Ritzach B'Shegeg falls on him and kills him, for that he's not Chay of Golas. He's going to go to Golas, but that, that really he didn't deserve Golas for that. He's really serving in Golas because of the first time that he, that he murdered somebody unintentionally. That's Chizkuni's answer. There is another answer that I found in a sefer called Hadar Zakenim. Hadar Zakenim is a sefer I don't happen to have a copy of available. I saw it quoted elsewhere. Hadar Zakenim is a collection of, of comments on the Chumash by the Balei HaToysvis. Uh, most of us are familiar in, ma- in many editions of the Mikroyas Gedolis. There is a commentary called uh, Das Zakenim Mi Balei the opinion of the elders of the Balei HaToysvis. Uh, Hadar Zakenim is a different collection of the comments of the Bali Ataisvis. And there, there is an answer given in the name of Maharish. Who was Maharish? I do not know. But I'll read the words of this answer. It's very interesting. Golos echod mechaper al chayve misais shegigim harbei. Golos, meaning going to the Ermiklat, atones for someone who is obligated because of killing Beshegeg, harbei, even someone who did it many times meaning going into Golis once can atone for many instances of killing B'Shoigig. person killed B'Shoigig one time, two times, five times. He somehow avoided going to the Ir Miklet each time. Finally, after the fifth time he goes to Golis, that counts for all the times. Concurrent sentences. To Kivindi Yashav Shom Ad Godel, since this person went and he sat in the Ir Miklet, until the Kayan Gadol died, which is the time that the Torah prescribes, that's when he can leave. Nifter Mikol, Nifter Mikol Kishemes. So this person is putter. This person is now exempt from all punishment after the Kayan Gadol dies. So the Maharish is, is telling us that when it comes to uh, serving time in a near Miklat, concurrent sentences are acceptable. I mean, we have Lahavdil in, in uh, American law sometimes. A person uh, commits several different crimes. For this crime, he should get five years. For this crime, 26 years. And for that crime, 32 years. So sometimes the judge will rule he can serve concurrent sentences. In other words, he only has to serve 32 years. We don't say it's 32 plus 26 plus five. No. If he'll serve for 32, that counts for 25 and that counts for six. Concurrent sentences. So the Marish is telling us concurrent sentences work in the Ir Miklat. Why is this? What's the, what's the Svara? What's the idea behind it? Perhaps we can say, we can understand, based on a comment made by the Sefer HaChinuch. Sefer HaChinuch, of course, is a compendium of the 613 mitzvahs of the Torah with uh, halachic explanations with a basic definition of each mitzvah. And in mitzvah Tav Yud, mitzvah number uh, 410, which is the mitzvah of, uh, of a going to the Ir Miklot, the Sefer Achinach explains as follows. He's talking about 
why this is the punishment for somebody who was Rotseach Meshoigek. He says, Sar Golos, the pain of going into exile, Sheshokel Kimat Kitsar Misa, it is equivalent almost to the pain of dying. Shenifrod Ha'odame Oyavov, because when a person is sent to the Irmiklet, when a person is sent to Golos, because he has killed Beshegeg, he is separated from his friends. And he is separated from the land of his birth. And he's going to live all his days, I mean, he's going to live for a long time, with Zorim, with, with foreigners, with strangers. So the Sefer HaChinuch is telling us that going into Golos is somewhat equivalent to dying. It's a similar kind of suffering. To, to be away from home, to be in a foreign land, in a foreign city, without one's friends, without one's familiar environment, is, is like Misa. So perhaps we can say as follows. We know there's a halacha that if a person did two crimes, which are capital crimes, so, of course, we don't kill him twice. It's kind of hard to kill a person twice. It's, it's hard to do tzachiyas amesim in between the first capital punishment and the second one. We don't do that. Even if we could, we don't. Now, we normally look at that, that halacha as just being a practical matter. If a person uh, was mechalos Shabbos b'mezid, he's chayav misa. The same person also killed somebody b'mezid, he's chayav misa. Can't kill him twice, so we kill him once. Basedin will kill him once. Again, assuming that all of the conditions of Mises Basedin have been met. But I think there's, it's more than just a practical matter. That halacha is saying, it is implying, it, 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 it must be telling us that with one Misa, one Misa can, can count for two crimes. Dying is, is such that, that, that it, it just wipes away everything. It doesn't matter how many crimes there were. If a person is killed by Bastin and maybe, maybe does a little tshuva before he's killed, that can be a kapara for any number of things, any number of crimes. That's how severe it is. And the Sefer Achinuch is telling us that Golos is akin to dying. So it could be this is what this, uh, this Balatesis is telling us that if a person is high of Golas for two different unintentional murders that he committed, and now after he commits the second unintentional murder, he goes to the, to the Ir Miklot, he goes into Golas, that punishment of Golas can erase, it can be mechaper, it can atone for even more than one killing, even a, even a large number of Ritzichais B'Shoigeg, it can erase them all. Because that is the, the nature of this punishment of Golis, which is similar to the punishment of Misa.